So before we actually begin the podcast, I wanted to make a quick announcement here to let the listeners know that in this one, Inside Carolina is privileged to say that we have interviewed Chris Keldorf, Bernardo Harris, and Anthony Perkins, three players who were all coached by Mac Brown and got their thoughts on the hire. So stay tuned for those. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Taylor Vipolis talking about the Mac Brown hire at UNC. So, Taylor, we are recording this on Tuesday evening. A lot has already been said about the hire, and you actually did the the short video for Inside Carolina. But let's just hear what your instant reaction was real quick when the news officially broke on Monday morning. Yeah, I was uh, kind of skeptical, probably like um, a lot of people. You know, it's while Mac Brown is a proven winner, he hasn't coached in now five years. And when he was finishing up coaching, you know, Texas kind of ran him out of Austin. So I think there is a reason to kind of be um, kind of have your guard up if you're Carolina. I think a lot of people are going back to the memories of the 90s. But, you know, with Mac Brown coming back, there is this certain buzz around Carolina football that we haven't really had since, you know, halfway through the 2016 season where, you know, we're making national headlines for the right reasons instead of, you know, selling shoes. So I think <laughs> yeah. it's I think it's a a good hire for North Carolina. And I'm excited to see Mac Brown back in Chapel Hill. Yeah. And I think that the tone has largely shifted, I feel like, across like social media and the various platforms following the press conference today, because like you said, I think you saw some Carolina fans and just members of the media express some uncertainty about the hire because like you said, I mean, Mac Brown, he left Texas on not great terms and he's been out of the coaching game now for some time, but man, that press conference, I watched a little bit of it. I must say I was impressed. What were your thoughts on that one, Taylor? I came in with the mindset, you know, I thought he would do well in a press conference. He's always been a personable guy. He talked about how ESPN really helped him, you know, be able to handle the media. And I thought he knocked it out of the park more than I could have ever imagined today at the press conference. I saw somebody maybe on Twitter saying that, you know, he could probably sell ice to an Eskimo. And after watching that, I definitely agree and could definitely see him you know, coming into recruits living rooms and being able to sell them on why they should come to Carolina. So I think there was a lot of positives and just hearing him talk, he has the ability to kind of fire up fans. You know, after that press conference was over, I was ready to call the Rams club, you know, how could I help out the team trying to find out any deals for hotels from um, heel travel for the first game in Charlotte. So my biggest takeaway was after hearing Mac Brown talk, I wish we could kick off that game against South Carolina August 31st, I believe, uh, tomorrow, if we could. Yeah, and talk to a little bit about that enthusiasm, because I think that was my main takeaway as well, is for a fan base that kind of needed a, a jolt of energy, it sounds like Mac Brown delivered. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. The only, the only part I would say he didn't win in the press conference is when he said him and Dave Dorian are, fan, are uh, friends. As a Carolina grad and a Carolina, somebody who's grown up, like not like an NC State, we don't we don't need to hear that. You could be friends with Coach Cutcliffe. You could go get dinner with Coach Cutcliffe whenever you want. Just just leave Dave Doran in Raleigh and let him be. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, Mac just being a politician, you, you kind of expect something along those lines. But, you know, with with as much as we've heard from former players that Mac Brown really put that emphasis on winning the state of North Carolina – I don't think there's going to be any shortage of uh, the rivalry staying as heated as it needs to be between UNC and NC State. And, and I'll also say, if he's able to beat NC State and do consistently, he can invite Dave Doran to his house whenever he wants. As long as he's getting the wins, that's all that matters, actually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
definitely agree there. But, you know, and, and I think that is one thing that Mac Brown talked about a lot, Taylor, was, you know, the emphasis on North Carolina. And it's a cliche that, you know, Larry Fedora said, and really every coach since Mac Brown has said, you know, we're going to build the quote unquote wall around North Carolina. We want to keep the homegrown talent here. But really, Mac was the last coach that did that. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Did you kind of view it as as coach speak or did he instill in you a sense of, wow, this guy could actually maybe get this done? I think he could get it done just just off of how personable he is. He's going to be a coach who can, you know, there's not too many coaches who could show up in your living room and be like, I want a national championship. This is how I got there. This is how I'm planning to get you there. And, you know, once you're, once you hear this coach telling you how, like, you're trying to get to the certain spot. I mentioned this when coach Chizik joined us in 2015, like it was a huge wake up moment for us because there was a guy sitting right across from us telling us how special we could be who had a national championship and, you know, who went to conference championship games, won conference championships. So when you have somebody like that, and there's not too many coaches who can, you know, flash Mac Brown's resume when, when he's in your living room, when he's at your high school. So I think every coach for North Carolina is going to say they have to win North Carolina. But I think with Mac Brown, your chances significantly increase. And I think the other thing, too, is as far as assembling a staff, you know, Mac made the comment that he hasn't really talked to anybody, he hasn't put out phone calls. I think that was probably a little bit of coach speak myself. I think he probably is far along that path, much further than what he led on. But, you know, Taylor, do you think that Mac will be forming a staff as, you know, sooner rather than later? Or do you think Tarrell fans may have a little bit longer to wait for the news to become official on that front? I definitely think he's already started the process to kind of assemble a staff. I think, like you said, that was coach speak at the press conference. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like this process will where Carolina will announce anything. I feel like that process normally um, is usually quite slow. Like I remember when I was working for the football program, like coach Gillespie was already like walking around the building. We already knew who he was. We already knew he was going to be the running backs coach. Same thing with coach Thigpen. We already knew they were going to be the coach. And then like a week later it was, they were announced, but with the early signing day period coming up, it's, something that you want to figure out sooner rather than later, but you also don't want to rush the process. And, you know, you have to make sure the coaches that you're getting are the best coaches possible for your, your team. And then finally, to go ahead and wrap this one up, Taylor, you know, have you heard from any of your teammates about their thoughts on Mac Brown or any guys that are on the team currently, what they think about the transition? Uh, there's a couple guys I played with, couple guys that I work with who played for Carolina football, who played for Carolina football. And uh, just the talks that we're, we're having is, you know, how excited we are for Mac Brown, how excited we are for this program. Like I said before, it's not too often you're going to get somebody with his kind of resume. And, you know, we're already trying to plan where, where we're going to be for that first game, you know, get out and be able to support the program when uh, they kick off against South Carolina. All right, good to hear, man. We'll go ahead and now move on to the interviews with some players that played under Coach Mac Brown. So everyone, stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Heels Travel. They are a valued IC podcast sponsor, and earlier in the year, they received rave reviews for their travel package for the UNC versus Cal game earlier in the fall. If you missed out on that one, you still have the chance to book your package with Heels Travel because they are selling one to go see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. To book that package, you can call 336-855-0060 to book, or you can visit HeelsTravel.com. Now that trip includes round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, 
transportation to and from the airport, and a two-night stay in the Omni Chicago. It's right on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, and it's also the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying. That's a pretty cool experience for you and the family. So that price and inclusions are offering at the Omni Chicago are even less than if you booked it directly. It's going to be a great chance to see your Tar Heels take on an opponent on a big stage and explore a great city right around Christmas time. So again, call 336-855-0060 to book or visit heelstravel.com. That's 336-855-0060 or visit heelstravel.com to book today. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with co-host Tommy Ashley. And we are very pleased to be joined now by former Super Bowl champion and Tar Heel Bernardo Harris. So, Bernardo, man, thanks a lot for joining us. You know, being a North Carolina native yourself, born and raised there in Chapel Hill. You know, how, how excited were you when you saw that, that Mac Brown was going to be returning as the head coach of the Tar Heels. I was really excited, and I'm still excited now, just thinking that Mac is coming back and just thinking my time at UNC, how I had a, such a great time playing for Mac and the turnaround of the UNC program, and just how exciting the 90s were for UNC football fans. I can only imagine what we had to look forward to, and it's very exciting just to think we can get back to that level. Nardo, uh, I know you came in 90, and before that, uh, Carolina was 1-10 in 88, 1-10 in 89. Uh, I was a freshman at Carolina in 89, so I remember those times. Certainly wasn't a football player, but certainly remember sitting in Keenan Stadium a lot. You got there in 90. Um, I believe in 90 that you guys tied Georgia Tech, who was the eventual co-national champion, let me ask you about how you were recruited by Coach Brown. Being in Chapel Hill, you're there. You're up close on it. Uh, but talk a little bit about your recruitment and what convinced you to come to Carolina having seen up close two one and 10 seasons back-to-back. Well, I was a diehard Tar Heel fan growing up. Uh, my passion was UNC sports. I was a huge sports fan. I Grew up listening to Woody Durham on the radio, football, basketball. So it was, Carolina was in my blood. And just being at Chapel High and being able to be around UNC, Chapel Hill, the whole sports environment during that time, it kind of really brought me into the UNC family. What do you think about Mac's impact on North Carolina in general, Bernardo? Because that's the one thing that we have heard so much is just how infectious his personality is and how his charisma is off the charts. You experienced that firsthand. Do you think that that's going to be something that relates to uh, recruits and players in North Carolina today? Yes, I do, because I think the thing about Mac, he doesn't have to put on an act. He's just a genuine person, and he believes in – he's just passionate in what he believes in. And when he's at the University of North Carolina, he's going to sell the University of North Carolina. He's going to want to do the best he can to put a winning team on the field. The same thing he did when he went to the University of Texas. So it's just the passion he has for who he is and his job would just flow over to recruits, families, the new Tar Heel people that don't remember him. I just think just listening to him and just appreciating the genuineness of who Coach Brown is. Bernardo, let me ask you about the defenses at North Carolina while you were there. You were a part of the, we'll say, the early years of Mac Brown getting it turned around. And by the time you left, um, and then for a couple years after, North Carolina defenses were as good as they've ever been, some of the best in the nation. Speak to that portion of uh, Coach Brown's history at North Carolina the first go-round. Because let's be honest, the defenses – of late haven't been nearly that good and haven't been up to the standards that maybe Mac set when he was in North Carolina. Yeah, I think the thing about Mac, it goes back to recruiting. It goes back to building relationships and knowing what you're looking for. Mac brought in a bunch of dominant defensive linemen, and I believe that you win in football in the trenches up front, and he was – 
really big on bringing in big big defensive linemen and big offensive linemen. And I think from the time, the early 90s to now in the 2000s, football started to change a little bit to the spread and smaller, faster defensive linemen and, you know, safeties going to linebackers, linebackers going to defensive linemen. So I think during his era, he was it was still the era of era of running the football, eye formation, big defensive linemen, big offensive linemen. Then the transition went to the smaller player, but I think the success we had was we were able to get big defensive linemen, athletes at the linebacker position, and were able to get the dominant defensive backs that could do it all. So you mentioned how football has changed over these last just even five, ten years. Do you think that Mac Brown is going to be able to adjust to a modern day style of football? Because I think that's you know a criticism that that we've seen of him or a worry by Carolina fans is they're not sure if Mac Brown will be able to really translate success today. Having played under him, how do you think that he will approach defense in the modern era? Well, I think he has learned a lot being an ESPN and just being on, being able to watch all the games on Saturday and give his opinion on different teams and different things that are going on in football. And I think Mac has the ability to be a great CEO and hire, hire a great staff that he can trust in that has adjusted to the modern-day football. I think it's going to come down to Matt getting a great staff under him and the staff going out and recruiting players. And so football, to be successful, you have to have talented players and coaches that can teach and coach the game. Bernardo, stepping away from North Carolina a little bit, um, talk about – uh, transitioning from North Carolina under Coach Brown into the pros. I mean, you played on some Super Bowl champion teams in the NFL. What was that transition like, and, and what did you gain out of North Carolina to carry forward uh, into that portion of your career? Well, I think I was blessed to have great coaches from high school to college to have me ready when I got to the NFL to give me a shot to compete and be able to make NFL teams and perform at a high level. I think the teaching that I received early really was a benefit. And I personally think right now that the coaching and the 20-hour rule and all the different things that adjustments to football is hurting the game. And I think the kids have to be more diligent with their training, studying, and things that they do on their own to be great, become great players. I think the coaching has been limited a little bit. So now I just think if you want to be great, you have to put more time in it yourself because they're not allowing you to spend that much time with the coaches. All right, so Bernardo, what is one memory that you have that's always stuck out to you with an interaction between yourself and Coach Brown? Well, I probably remember him the closing the deal on the recruiting because I, when I it came down to uh, UNC and Georgia Tech, and I was kind of not sure the night before, and just remembering him coming in like the day or two before the sign period just, speaking with me and just selling some points about why to come why come to UNC and being a local kid and being a North Carolina kid, how much you'll be treated differently being an in state kid, especially local kid come to UNC. I think that moment really sealed the deal for me, trusting in him and wanting to play for him at UNC. And we've actually heard that from several players that, you know, Mac put so much emphasis on winning the state of North Carolina. You were a big part of the teams that started that trend. You know, so talk to us about just the emphasis that was put on that by Mac and his coaching staff. 
then you 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 wouldn't. I mean, if you think about it as a player, you wouldn't really understand the importance of coaches getting in-state kids um, to come to their school. Other than hopefully they grew up a fan of your team or logistic reasons, you don't understand that. But I guess Coach Brown realized that we had talented kids in the state of North Carolina, and it was important for the kids to stay home where their families could see them play. He didn't think that a kid in North Carolina needed to go to South Carolina or Virginia or other schools to display their talent when they could stay right at home and have their family and friends there to support them. Uh, Bernardo, I got another uh, NFL question. Was Jerry Rice down? <laughs> no, he wasn't down. Not at all. <laughs> it is, it's a great story because that play um, basically changed NFL rules, um, and, and you were a part of it. I just thought that I, I saw that tidbit, and I remember the play. Um, yeah, it didn't change the outcome of the game that day, though. I know. How, how tough is that? <laughs> Serious question. As a player, how tough is something like that to deal with? I mean, and it's not just a regular season game. It's it's big time football game. How tough is it? Yeah, for you it's, to... it's tough when it's tough when it's a playoff game, and it's you know win in advance, lose and go home. I think just having that 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 amount of weighing on one game and something like that to be missed, it hurts. Well, and then at, at Carolina, you know, what about playing about putting emphasis on your on those in-state games? Like, did Mac really try to get you guys up for a, a game against NC State? And you know, as players, what type of energy did you guys feel when you went into that game against like the Wolfpack, as opposed to maybe you know Georgia Tech or an out-of-state school? Well, back, you know, back then we were trying to build a program and we made winning the state championship probably a bigger deal than anything. And, you know, if we weren't going to win an ACC championship, you know, or NCAA championship, the thing that we could control, we could be the best team in the state of North Carolina. And back then we had three games every year to prove that. So when we played State, Duke, or Wake, that was like a state championship game and we wanted to win those games and we wanted to be known as the best team in the state of North Carolina. Well, you guys certainly did that for the times that you were in Chapel Hill, Bernardo. So we want to say thank you again for joining us and, you know, maybe try to touch base during the year, especially once coach Matt Brown really gets the ball rolling there and uh, try to get your thoughts. Maybe, you know, once the season begins. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Well, thank you again, Tommy. I think that was all the questions. Unless you had anything else. No, that's all good. Bernardo, appreciate you taking the time, man. Oh, no problem. Thanks again. And let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Stop by one of the Jersey Mike stores in and around the Chapel Hill to get a delicious sub sandwich. Now there are five locations to choose from. The best thing is that if you use the code HEELS15, you get 15% off of your online order. Now that is good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's an online code only. So this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com order or use the Jersey Mike's app and click the location nearest to you. Choose your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter HEELS15 and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and then you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15. Order online and pick up your sub. That's HEELS15. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Tommy Ashley, and we are very pleased to be joined by another former player under Mac Brown. Tommy, I'm going to let you do the intro for this one, man. Yeah, John, appreciate that. Guys listening to the podcast, certainly Inside Carolina has been on the cutting edge of all this Mac Brown story, Mac Brown's hiring. And one thing we've been able to do over the years is sort of develop a 
a relationship or sort of a, a, a glossary of former players. And what better way to talk about Mike Brown than talk about Mike Brown with guys that played for him. And so I'm going to bring in Chris Keldor. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Indeed. Certainly, everybody remembers. I, I think if you ask anybody, Chris Keldorf at North Carolina, they remember the Clemson game, first and foremost. Um, but what I want to ask you about is just talk about how you came to Carolina, how you wound up coming from, I believe, junior college and ending up at North Carolina, and what was Mac Brown's role in all of that? Well, my journey prior to Carolina was a few schools, um, just trying to find my, my way in football and the position and learning as much as I could. And uh, before I got to Carolina, I was at Palomar College in San Diego, California. We're having some, some good success. And at the time, Carolina um, had some injuries. I think Oscar Davenport had, had a knee injury at the time, and I believe Mike Thomas was graduating. So they needed a kind of a, let's just call it a quick fix, because I think believe we had the number one defense in the country. And I believe Coach Brown was bringing in a new offensive coordinator, new offense, a new, uh, new scheme, and, and um, very similar to what I was running in junior college. And uh, we started recruiting me midway through my, my, uh, my junior college career and, and um, was very honest and open about the opportunity, opportunity to compete, opportunity to run a very similar system and have success. And there was only a few parts he needed to, to fill, and one of those was quarterback. And if, if we could do that and operate at a, at a decent level, then we could have success. And he um, very honest throughout the process. And um, based on the other schools recruiting at the time, I believe it was Ohio State and Oklahoma State. Carolina, on my recruiting trip, was by far the best people I met, the coaching staff, Coach Brown, and, and uh, just the overall opportunity, not just football, but just kind of the overall Carolina experience is what sold me. So um, Coach Brown played a, a huge role in that. And you mentioned Coach Brown several times. Obviously, you can just hear that, you know, he's someone, that, Chris, that sounds like you still hold in high esteem to this day. What do you think it is about him personally that just draws people in? Because that's what we've always heard about Coach Brown is that he is just a people guy, charisma off the, the charts. What did you observe about that while a player under him and then since graduating from UNC? You want to play for him in a sense because he's, he's, there's a level of enthusiasm, genuine enthusiasm. It's not a lot of hoo-rah-rah. It's genuine enthusiasm because he, he truly wants not only just to win the game, but he wants you to perform your best. And if you can buy into that, um, you're going to want to play for him day in and day out. And, and he brought a sense, when I, I haven't thought about it in quite some time, but when I do think about a, a culture, a mindset, a message that together – with utilizing kind of a systematic approach. I felt we had the two best coordinators. That's the other aspect of Coach Brown is he surrounds himself with extraordinary people as well, not just the players, but the coaching staff. So it's, it's, it's Coach Brown, but it's, it's his entire ecosystem. So he might be, let's just say, like an older coach, but I guarantee you his formula is, is probably much better than it was back during the Carolina days. Um, but he's going to surround himself with young, innovative coaching staff. And I know that he's a game changer at least to recruiting. But when you play for him, you understand the system, the message, the culture that he's applied not only at Carolina but at Texas. And I hope that he can bring that back. I'm assuming that whole ecosystem is so much better than it was almost 20 years ago, which I'm sure it is. That's the exciting part about it. And if I was a player at Carolina or I was being recruited by Carolina, I'd want to play for that. Let me dig a little bit deeper into that portion of it. A lot of people have talked about Coach Brown's age. I mean, 67, I agree. When I was 15 or 16 or even 20 or 25, 67 was pretty old. But in this day and age, it's not really that old. But I wanted to get your thoughts and your take on how hands-on he was back when you were at Carolina. Obviously, he had Greg Davis as your offensive coordinator, like you mentioned. I believe your first year was his first year and you work a lot with your position coaches and your coordinators, how hands-on was Coach Brown, and how much did he let his coordinators and his staff handle, even way back then, I guess, in 96? Well, I would say that he was extraordinarily involved, knew exactly what was happening. Um, what I appreciate now versus then is the, the when you get a little bit older, you, you talk about game instincts. 
that's where I think you just need the repetitions and years in football to, to understand that. But also gave what made our organization and team really great was he gave our coordinators autonomy. Call to evolution uh, as a defense coordinator, number one defense, I believe, in the country for at least a few years. And Greg Davis, we ran a pretty efficient offense, gave them autonomy. But, um, but you always felt Coach Brown knew exactly what the coordinators were doing, what we were trying to accomplish, what the strategy was, what the, what the uh, outcome should be. But you felt that no matter whether it was a timeout or halftime, pregame, postgame, you knew, you knew that he knew exactly what was going on at all, all aspects of the game. And so how do you think that's going to translate, Chris, to Coach Brown hiring a staff at Carolina now? Because he's being linked up with a lot of very high-profile names for defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. Do you really think that that could happen at Carolina, that he's going to be bringing in some really upper echelon type of guys? Well, I I had hoped we were on the cusp when he left for Texas and it was my senior. I think we were on the cusp for something fairly extraordinary. The, the next recruiting class that was coming in, remember, it was Ronald Curry and Julius Peppers, both played yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> and so he was on the cusp of, of doing something extraordinary. And I hope that, that Carolina can make these type of commitments because, one, one, I think it's the most beautiful place to play in the country. A wonderful, wonderful university in all aspects. Um, and I And I do pray that that Carolina does provide the necessary resources and support for Coach Brown to bring in the necessary OCDC and the rest of the staff. Because I know we can compete. We have the talent. We can compete in the top echelon of college football. We've been there before. And um, remember now, Coach, he's an enthusiastic, high-energy guy. And I, I've seen him on TV and ESPN, and I don't think he's lost any energy. He might have been well-rested, and he's, <laughs> he's ready to get back into the game. But I, I know he will surround himself with um, – extraordinary minds, minds of the game, teachers of the game, and I'm not worried at all. And I just hope Carolina will support him with the right resources. Because remember, the, the stadium that is there today is, I believe, that's something that he built. And um, it'd be nice to, to get him back in there to right to ship. That's interesting about the stadium. We've already been talking about um, on the Inside Carolina message boards and elsewhere about the fish tank in the Keenan Football Center. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, right that he wanted but he never got to see i guess he get to see it pretty he gets, soon he gets to use the office that he built right yeah, exactly that is uh it's weird how things work and come full circle let me ask you about you mentioned playing at north carolina it being a great place to play uh, but you weren't from around here and we talked with brandon spoon yesterday about um that and of course him being a north carolina kid you know about north carolina Talk about being a guy from fairly good ways away coming in and, and being a North Carolina guy for a couple of years and also speak to the atmosphere maybe in, in Keenan Stadium. Y'all had it rolling back then, and you, like you mentioned right. earlier, were a piece that just plugged in perfectly. Um, I know you and Oscar both dealt with injuries um, those couple of years, but speak to that portion of it, the atmosphere, the, the surroundings of the football team uh, because I think a lot of people in North Carolina uh, and a lot of North Carolina fans maybe if they're not all in on this hire now they're still holding out a little bit because of what happened after the 97 season and coach Brown going to Texas but just speak to all that overall you know it, it, out west it, you know being in the you know going to North Carolina coming from 3,000 miles away you know I, what I learned to appreciate was the Carolina fall and I'm a little nostalgic here, but it's it's the layout, the the, the color scheme of Carolina. You know, eighty thousand fans uh, that appreciated their sports programs, um, that were committed to to seeing football have success. There's nothing better than a Carolina fall and smelling the football grass. I tell you guys, if you have a chance to do it in Keenan Stadium, that was one of my favorite parts. Is when you walk into the stadium, the feeling, the breeze, the chill, the smell, the grass. I mean, I don't believe there's any other place greater than that. That's one of my those fondest memories. And then you couple it with a student body that's, you know, I believe maybe 30,000 students who are just passionate, not only academically, but very enthusiastic about all the sports programs and, and are committed. They show up, whether you're winning or losing. And, but I, the one thing to fear is Mac Brown put a great product onto the field. And he was so enthusiastic all the time. He was so positive, and that's what people want to hear. And he delivered. Put a great product on the field, great scheme. And we had a lot of success, and he, he built – it took him, I think, a decade to build, but he got, he, he got us there. And, and I think 
just there's so many moving parts that had a lot to do with it. But at the end of the day, we had a great product on the field, really good, mature team. And that's the difference is our team's a little bit older, very mature. And, uh, and you know, the Carolina way is just an outstanding fan base who's so enthusiastic about sports and mixed with Coach Brown's enthusiasm, you know, there's nothing better. And you, you've mentioned the fans quite a few, a few times there, Chris. And for any Carolina follower of football that watched that NC State game from this past Saturday, you know, Tommy, you were there. I couldn't make it, but, I mean, what, 15,000 people maybe in the stadium? Yeah, um, it was a, a far cry from that 97 day against <laughs> Florida State. <laughs> it, it was, but, Chris, you know, do you think that out of all the candidates that UNC could have brought in as a head coach – do you think that Mac really is the one that would probably energize the fan base the most? I would emphatically tell you yes for a couple of reasons. One, what's going to change all of that is an attitude of winning state. You have to win your state. That's like a that's a big goal from the beginning of the year. And when I say that, it's not only just on the field, but it's in recruiting. With Coach Brown, he he values relationships. When you get to understand who he is as a person, he values relationships and. There were so many high school coaches that he had so many wonderful relationships with that I think that's going to be a key ingredient of bringing that back to life, that enthusiasm. Carolina is the place to play over State or Wake or Duke. And um, that's the first thing when I got there, walked on campus, Chris, we win State. We don't lose in State. You got to go, you got you to beat State, Wake and Duke. No exceptions. Capture that bell. After that, don't worry about the rest later. But but that was uh, a very prideful part of the process. But bringing Mac Brown back, you're going to activate and kind of bring to life all of those high school coaches that loved him so much. And recruiting is going to change, I believe, overnight. All right. Well, Chris, I think that's all the questions I had. Tommy, did you have anything else? No, I just want to say appreciate you taking the time out on the left coast. I know you it's a busy time of day for you, but I appreciate you taking the time to join us. And maybe down the road um, during the season or whatever, love to talk to you, get your thoughts on what's going on with North Carolina football. Because it's been a while since the fan base has heard from Chris Keldor. <laughs> I would I would love the opportunity to do that and, and uh, look forward to getting back there. And hopefully uh, Coach Brown is there and, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. So happy to connect anytime. Well, hey, Chris, I'll tell you what, just before we let you go, if you were going to give one message out there to UNC fans and everyone listening to this podcast with Mac Brown just being hired hours ago, what would you say to everyone right now? I'd say be patient, but I certainly think that it's going to happen pretty quickly, but there's a process in the system that works. You've seen it time and time again everywhere he's gone, and you know it's going to work. Give it a year or two. I think it's going to happen faster than that. But, uh, but just be patient and believe in his system. I've felt it. I've worked it. I've lived it. We've had success with it. I've seen it elsewhere. And if you can do that, we'll, we'll have uh, great success. All right. That's awesome to hear. Thank you again, Chris. That'll wrap us up for this. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with the Inside Carolina podcast. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here, and I am very pleased to be joined by Anthony Perkins, former UNC defensive lineman. So, um, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us tonight and talking about the return of Mac Brown to Chapel Hill. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. So, um, let's go ahead and, and jump right into this thing, Anthony. And I wanted to 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 get your thoughts on your freshman year because. That was the year that uh, Mac Brown did go ahead and choose to leave UNC for, for Texas. But we were talking a little bit off air, and you mentioned how you were a walk-on. So what went into the decision to walk on to, to Carolina? And you know, how did Mac Brown kind of treat you guys as being a walk-on? Was there anything different between you guys and the scholarship players? Carolina was somewhere I always wanted to, to attend and, and, and get a college degree. So after applying to, to, to numerous institutions and getting that acceptance letter, I knew that Carolina was the place where I wanted to get my education. And, and while I was there, I figured, hey, let's try our hand at football. Um, most of the guys um, that were scholarship athletes were guys that had already been invited to camp. They were already in camp. Things were going on. So the guys who uh, walked on, you know, we basically showed up the first week of class and we went through certain activities, uh, drills, things of that nature to kind of 
you know, see who was really into it and who really wasn't. And then those of us that were fortunate enough to make the cut, we now kind of have to integrate ourselves into, you know, scout team activities and things of that nature. And at the end of the day, uh, whether you're a scholarship athlete or a walk-on athlete, at the end of the day, the expectation was you're going to get up and go to class. You're going to be on time. You're going to be on time for your meetings. You're going to go lift. You're going to do all of the things that's expected to, of you to do um, as a student athlete at Carolina. So at the end of the day, that expectation was the same across the board. Now, of course, you know, they're not going to know every walk-on by by name and or number, but you had a role and you had a responsibility within the organization. And, and from my perspective as a walk-on, you had to pay your dues. Everybody's not going to know your name. So you put in the work and you see what happens. And I'm guessing too that Mac did not go any easier on you guys than he did the scholarship players during practices, right? Absolutely not. When they put up the notebook and it was time to run a play and we had to simulate the opposing offense or the opposing defense, the expectation is you execute exactly what's on the chart or on the board or on the play because we're there to simulate what the opposing team is going to do on that Saturday or Thursday. And we need to give our offense and our defense the best look possible in preparation for that. So the expectation was still set. You're going to do what's asked of you. If you can't, then we'll ask someone to step in and do it. And so when Mac Brown left after your, your freshman year, what was that transition like between him and over to Coach Carl Torbush, who took over? It was a very interesting transition. You know, with that departure, you know, the, the guys had some, some internal conversation amongst players, and there was an expectation that, you know, the, the train has to keep moving forward. Um, Carl Torbush and, and other other assistant coaches and other staff that were still present uh, within the organization at that time helped make the transition that easier. But I think the expectation had already been set. Um, Carl Torbush was one of the one of the vocal um, coaches as a defensive coordinator during the time that Mac Brown was here. So I could recall, you know, some of those conversations that he had with myself and and my other peers with regard to getting lined up correctly and and doing certain things a certain way. And he would always say, if we can't do it right, we're going to do it again. And so, you know, that foundation of, of those individuals that were already there didn't make the transition feel impossible. But I will admit that first year of collegiate athletics for me, it was kind of a whirlwind. You know, you're still trying to figure things out um, within that first year. But at the same time, you know, the basic fundamentals of following instruction, being on time, being early, doing what's asked of you or doing more than what's asked of you. You couldn't go wrong with that. And that's actually one thing that we've heard from a couple different former players of Mac is that he just demanded a very high level of discipline. And you saw that on those defenses that Mac had that Torbush carried over. So speak to us about that and just how Mac kind of instilled that to go from the from the coaches to where as individual players, you know, you guys knew what was expected of you and how was he able to get you guys to have that drive to really succeed on the, on the football field? I think that leading by example was something that, that he did well and his attention to detail when he was addressing any audience, whether it was the players addressing the media or any other audience of individuals that he interacted with, whether it be at a group level or one-on-one -on -one level, that attention to detail touched a lot of people as an athlete and as a player. It mattered to me. After every practice, you know, we would all come together and Coach Brown or any of the other staff would say what they need to say. And I don't think there was one situation or circumstance where Coach Brown was speaking and everyone wasn't listening. And that attention to detail, I think, was infectious for a lot of people, not only from a, an athletics perspective, but academically, socially, as well as within the community. And, and me being in the position that I was in my first couple of years, especially my first semester, I didn't want to be the one that they were going to make an example out of because I couldn't follow instructions or I couldn't follow directions or I wasn't doing the right thing. I didn't want to be that guy. So I, I made sure that, you know, I, I hung to everything that was being said and made sure I understood everything that was being said. And now being a native North Carolinian yourself, you know, talk to us about how it felt to play at the University of North Carolina 
you mentioned that it was a university that you kind of always wanted to attend. So what did it mean to you being from this state playing in Chapel Hill? At the time that it was happening, it didn't feel quite real because you always ask yourself, you know, do I really belong here? Can you compete? Can you can you contribute to something this great, this great of a university, this great of a program? So at that point in time, you, you always felt as if, you know, you're proving yourself. But after the fact, looking back on it in hindsight, it's one of the best experiences in my lifetime to date. I've, I've forged some friendships, established some brotherhood, a brotherhood with a group of guys that I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate in any other way, shape, form, or fashion. Just those relationships, those experiences, the good and the bad helped make me become the person that I currently am and the person that I'm yet still to come. It's just something about that place and something about the UNC football experience and everything that comes with it that people just hold on to. Me personally, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. And then as far as Mac returning to Chapel Hill now after being gone for a little bit over 20 years, you know, do you think that he will be able to kind of reinvigorate and re-energize a UNC football program that has had a very low point over these last two seasons? Do you think that Mac is going to be able to reverse that using his charisma, his personality, and everything else that you've just been talking about? I absolutely do. I think the simple presence of him being involved and back in the program is going to allow the fan base, Carolina alum, former players, to put their hand in the middle and say, we're here to support all of you guys, coaching staff, support staff, players. Everybody can put their hand in the middle and support the program. Me personally, I couldn't see it happening any other way. Everybody's going to have mixed feelings about it, but it's a great thing for not only the Carolina football program, Mm -hmm. it's a great thing for Carolina as a whole. I tell anybody, you know, any sport, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be, what you gain as an individual is much more than wins and losses. Because wins and losses are the focal point, people tend to lose everything else that comes along with it. Um, Mac Brown is one of those individuals amongst many other individuals that I've encountered in collegiate athletics that cares about the athlete as well as the person. And at the end of the day, we're all people. We all want to be part of something. We all want to be part of something great. The question becomes, how do we put in the necessary work and put forth the necessary effort to be a contributor towards something great? I think Matt can be one of those individuals that will help get the program to that point once again. And so I think it's fair to say then, Anthony, that when you heard the news that Matt Brown was coming back to Chapel Hill, you were probably pretty pumped up for that one, right? Absolutely. You know, it took me back to 20 years ago and just the excitement of being on the field, on the sidelines and watching our football team play against Florida State night game, Saturday night, two undefeated teams. Like that type of feeling that it's hard to reproduce or replicate, hearing Matt Brown coming back into the fold takes us back to those great moments, those memorable moments that, resonate for a lot of people. And then to go ahead and wrap this one up, what is one memory that you can share, Anthony, about interacting with Coach Brown that still sticks with you to this day? Uh, I would probably say uh, there used to be a, a tradition and that it still may be the case. I'm not 100% sure, so I don't, I don't want to say it with 100% accuracy. Every week after every Thursday practice, they would introduce scout player of the week for offense and defense. And that individual always had an opportunity to travel with the team beginning that Friday afternoon after classes end all the way through the remainder of the weekend, depending on whether it was a home game or, or an away game. And the first time I, I had an opportunity to, to be scout team player of the week, you know, I kind of, it, it didn't register. And then I got it the second time. And in both of those interactions, you know, we just had that small conversation. And that meant a lot to me at that point because I still didn't know where I would fit in overall, and that stuck with me. And, and just those two instances helped push me to continue to work 
and just do what I felt like I can do to contribute to the team that contributes to the program. All right. Well, great stuff, Anthony. And I want to say thank you again for speaking with me today. We will maybe try to touch base during the season to, you know, maybe see how, how Mac closes out the rest of the staff and like to maybe talk with you again. Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. All right. No problem. Thank you. We are going to take one last commercial break. And when we get back, we'll talk with Mike Ingersoll to wrap up the podcast. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here, and we are going to go ahead and wrap this one up by talking to Inside Carolina's Mike Ingersoll. So, Mike, man, let's go ahead and get your first initial reactions when the news broke that Mac Brown was going to be the next head coach of the Tar Heel football program. Well, my first reaction was that I thought it was a retread, and I wasn't all in on that. I thought it was, you know, Bringing Mac back, it was more of a, a nostalgic move than anything. Um, you know, he's 67. He's been out of coaching for a few years now. A lot's changed in the years uh, since he was at Texas. I don't know how connected he'll be from a recruiting standpoint. I don't know that it'll be the same situation he had, uh, you know, back when he was in North Carolina the first time with how connected he was with local high school coaches and things like that. And, you know, with with his age, how in touch will he be with, this generation of athletes, you know, his recruiting classes at Texas for the last couple of years were diminishing. And I, you know, I don't know what that that's a result of, but you have to think it's, just, you know, m- maybe, you know, just he, he, he ran out of gas there, maybe just got tired, but that's, that's how I initially looked at it. Um, my opinion on that has since changed dramatically. And I would assume that that's partly in due to the press conference that Mac Brown had earlier today. We are recording on Tuesday. So talk to us about that one, man. What was your takeaway from watching that press conference unfurl? Uh, listen, that press conference got me absolutely 100% juiced up for Mac Brown coming back to Chapel Hill. The guy, he's 67 years old. He looks, acts, carries himself like he's 40. Every single thing he said was... Uh, no, number one, he was saying the right things. Number two, everything he said was classy. The, the first thing that really jumped out at me was he spent about two or three minutes talking about Larry Fedora and Larry Fedora's staff and how hard those kids played for him this year and what he thinks of Larry Fedora as a person and as a coach um, and as somebody he's followed. And he, he said there on live television that he hadn't had a chance to, to, to say anything to Larry yet, but he expected to and planned on telling Larry to not worry. He's going to take his kids, talking about Fedora's players, and make sure that they grow the way that Larry was working towards and the way that he would want them to. And that's a class act. And every everything that came out of his mouth after that was the same thing. It, the, the mission is right. The vision is right. His approach and understanding of, 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 number one, the whirlwind and how quickly he's come into this. He didn't try to sugarcoat anything. He, he admitted, look, I'm behind on recruiting right now. I got to get to know our recruits. Every single thing he said was was the right approach. Uh, the next big thing was, uh, you know, we have to win the state of North Carolina in terms of recruiting. Mm-hmm. We got to win the recruiting base here. And it's the same as, you know, we can't go into other states and try to recruit star players from other states when we can't get the ones here at home. And we can't go into other states and expect to win football games if we can't win the games right here at home. So they're both related. They, they're both basically the same. You know, it's, it's the same means to the same end, right? You got to win at home first before you can go win on the road. And I thought that was a great point. I thought it was a great analogy. And, uh, you know, it really resonated with me in terms of what he sees in terms of a vision. And, and he, he, listen, he got, he got me really excited about, about Carolina football. That, the, the, this, this was a, a, an abysmal way to end a season. Um, and 48 hours ago, we, we thought, wow, that, you know, things are really taking a turn for the worse. And wouldn't you know it, after today, it really looks like things are looking up and there's a real energy I know that I have it, and if I have it, because I'm an eternal pessimist, if I have that energy, I know that that's, that's reverberating throughout the, the fan base right now, and that's great. Oh, come on, Mike. You being a pessimist? No. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah, you know, call, me, call me Sunnyside Mike, sure. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think just by gauging, you know, social media and the national response, yesterday I feel that there were, you know, a, a significant – or a non-insignificant number of people that were kind of questioning the hire. And you know, largely based upon what you said, Mike, you know, calling it a retread or you know, wondering if he's going to have the energy. But I'll tell you, it looks like Mac has really been reinvigorated by his return to Chapel Hill. So I think the next step is to get a staff in place. And he mentioned yes. that he was working on it. 
I think that there was a little bit of coach speak going on. I spoke with Taylor Viplis about that earlier about, you know, he said he doesn't really have anyone contacted right now. I think he does have some names and that's going to be the next step. Do you think it's fair to say that ultimately the success of Mac for this time in Chapel Hill is going to depend on who his assistant coaches are? Well, yes, but let me go ahead and give you a two-part answer. So part number one is, yeah, you and Taylor having that conversation, it is absolutely coach coach speak. It's hedging his bets. It's not getting people's hopes up. But the fact of the matter is uh, he he admitted that now this this is the lawyer in us, right, John? His testimony was earlier (laughs) that he has been going on several interviews over the course of the last few years. Well, every time he's going on an interview, and and listen, I'm not going to speak for Mac. I don't know what Mac's doing in his personal life. If I'm going on an interview to be a head Division I Power 5 football coach, okay, I am not walking into that interview without at least a strong idea of who my coordinators are going to be. I might not know who my position coaches are yet, although I would likely have an idea. But I'm not walking into that meeting without at least having spoken to one or two people for both my offensive and defensive coordinator spots engaging their interest and knowing that if I were to get this job, I could get one of those two people at each spot. Right. So Mm -hmm. he's had people lined up for the last few years since he got let go at Texas. He's never not had people lined up to take another job. So I'm sure he has some, some names ready. He might even already have them retained uh, for when it comes time to sign the papers that he's already got his people in place, at least at the key positions, like your coordinator spots, maybe his strength staff is in, is, is in place. We don't know yet. Um, some of the names I've heard have gotten me really excited. And this is actually one of the, one of the, one of the seven pros that I, I was thinking about it today. I, you know, I wrote down some pros regarding, you know, the, the cons are everything that I said before, which was my instant gut reaction about Mac being a retread. Well, the pros are, and this is what I've developed since that press conference is, you know, listen, Mac brings instant credibility. He's, he's Mac Brown. He's, the, the most successful Tar Heel football coach in recent memory, okay? And he is one of only two football coaches to ever voluntarily leave this school, right? Every other football coach we've had has been fired. So he brings instant credibility because he is Mac Brown. He left Carolina. They were the number four team in the country. He, took, he went to Texas. He won a national championship, played for another, had top 10 recruiting classes every year. He's, he brings credibility, just name recognition. He also wanted the job. Right. Mac wanted this job. He put his name in the hat. And when the opportunity arose, he made he jumped on it, which which tells me, that you know, and he said it today in the press conference. You know, we were, you know, it was, it was the Bahamas or here. Right. I was going to if I was going to coach anywhere, it was going to be Chapel Hill. Uh, my wife, you know, he said his, his wife told him, you know, Hawaii, the Bahamas or Chapel Hill. So he was always going to come here if there was going to be a job. That means he wants it. And, and of course, what that tells me is he he's going to do everything in his power to make this successful. He has those connections in North Carolina, right? So he was, you know, Mac brought on Kenny Browning a long, long time ago. And Ken Browning was his number one connection. This is something that Buck Sanders and I talked about recently. You know, Coach Browning was his number one connection to the local high school recruiting trail. Kenny seemed to know everybody and, and, every, and everything in North Carolina when it came to North Carolina high school football. I imagine Mac will have that person, if not Kenny Browning, someone very similar, right, to, to reintroduce him to – the North Carolina recruiting trail and Mac will develop that network once again. And it'll be, it'll, he'll, he'll do a great job on the recruiting trail for us. He'll sell North Carolina. He'll make it like he said today, the cool place to be again for in-state recruits. You've got a stability consideration here too. Listen, Mac's going to retire here. The guy's 67 years old. This is probably going to be his last stop. I know um, know, at, at that age, I'm sure he's not expecting to move on to somewhere else after this. So you have stability there. You don't really have to worry about him leaving. Number six is donors, right? Or number five, donors. This re-energized the donor base that was pretty angry for the last 20 years that Carolina let him go in the first place. You know, these are the same people that right before we hired Butch Davis uh, really wanted Mac instead of Butch. But Mac was obviously coming off of a national championship at Texas and things were going well. And I don't know that how realistic that was. But those people, the Mac, the Mac Brown crowd has their coach back. And I wouldn't be shocked at all to see a sudden influx of money and donations and support into the football program. And he also came at somewhat of a discount, right? So he buffers out Larry Fedora's buyout. Um, he's making estimated, you know, from what we understand, about three and a half a year for the next, what is it, uh, five years, yeah, seven years? Five years. So three and a half a year for five years, which is a little bit less than what Fedora was making. So it buffs that hit from the $12.5 um, $12 million buyout. And then 
obviously, like we talked about just now, coordinators and coaching staff, some of the names I've heard, and it's all conjecture at this point. No one knows for sure except for Matt. But some of the names that I've heard are pretty exciting. And if those are the names that are already swirling around, that stuff came from somewhere. The coaches that are one step down from those guys that I'm hearing are still grade A premium football coaches. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see the staff he puts together and really exciting to see what Mac's able to do. But that's that's how I see it, right? I initially saw it as a retread. And now, you know, after I run through the pros, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm amped up. I, I think you could probably hear it in my voice, but I'm I'm really excited about this. Really, really. Yeah, I can definitely hear it, man. And you know what? We're just going to go ahead and call this podcast to an end after that because I think you put it about as perfectly as you as you can at this point, Mike. So want to say thank you to you and a special thank you as well to all of the former players who spoke with us. It means a whole lot to Inside Carolina, and hopefully the listeners enjoyed it all. But Mike, try to do a season wrap-up podcast between you and the rest of the, uh, the IC guys next week. So people stay tuned for that. But for now, have a good one, man. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.